as the first AD, the role of safety officer is obviously very defined. For me personally, the first thing is I just want everyone to get home safe and sound. You know, certainly what we do is fun and awesome, but it, 10 times out of 10, it's not worth a life or someone getting hurt. Frankly, there is no reason for that to ever happen. It's really, really important that we all look after each other on these sets. Hey everyone, welcome to Call Sheet, a podcast about film production and the boots on the ground work of below the line crew. If you work in physical production in any department, this show's for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome back, folks, and thanks so much for listening to Call Sheet. We're returning from our October hiatus, and it's wonderful to be back with you. We hope you're all doing great. Once again, we're your hosts, Bryce Sirier and Kiku Terasaki. Kiku is out today, but I look forward to having her back with me next week. Our guest on the show today is Damian Payne, a DGA First Assistant Director with over 20 years of experience in commercials, music videos, and feature films. We're going to talk about set safety, specifically the importance of safety meetings and how first ADs prepare and execute them on set. Now, I'll be playing back this conversation I had with Damien, and keep in mind, it was recorded back near the beginning of the pandemic. This was before projects started resuming production with all the new COVID safety protocols. Just know this isn't a COVID safety episode. We decided to focus on general safety mindsets and practices that can help all members of the crew foster and maintain safe, responsible sets. As you apply these principles today in our current environment, We hope everyone stays healthy and safe and keeps making great content. Enjoy the episode. All right, I'm here with Damian Payne, DGA First Assistant Director. Welcome to the show, Damian. Yeah, mate. Thanks so much for doing this. How's it going? Good, man. Stoked to talk with you. Appreciate your time. You know, this is really such an important topic to always have at the forefront of our minds and always be, you know, an active discussion and dialogue. So I'm eager to dive into this with you. First, I'd love to hear what drew you to becoming an AD. If we could start there, tell us some of your story and what you love so much about this role. Yeah, so I sort of fell into it. In England, I was at art college at Ravensbourne, and I was doing this, uh, what they call a foundation course. It was a one-year course, and it it was geared toward fashion design. So I was actually on the road to being a fashion designer, which might sound weird. But um, I was just like, I can't do these people. It was just just too weird. The energy of fashion people was not my speed, at least not then. And so I needed to switch gears and I knew I liked films. And so I was like, well, maybe I, you know, something similar, but not the same. And maybe the people would be a little different would be, you know, getting into film. So I went to London and I just started as a what they call a runner over there, which is the same as a production assistant here. And that's sort of how I came into it, I guess. What made me want to AD, I think I was, in my mind, I think I wanted to direct, but the more I worked on sets, the more I was like, well, do I want to direct? Like that kind of shifted for me a bit. And what I think ultimately drew me to first ADing was that you do get to be right in the eye of the storm on the set and putting the images together with the director and the DP. And and I'm very lucky. I seem to work with a lot of people that are very collaborative. So, um, but anyway, so I think that's a rambly way of saying how I got into first ADing. I moved to the States, to Seattle, and I live and work in the Pacific Northwest. I took a little bit of a weird route because I didn't second AD for that long. I went sort of straight into it in a sort of baptism of fire way of doing things. 
doing these music videos. I did a lot of the grunge scene videos back in the day. And then from there, I kind of like segued into doing commercials and stuff. And I haven't looked back. It's, it's been good. Everyone has such a different path. And I think that's what's so unique about folks in production is there, there is no one path. Yeah, for sure. Could you talk a little bit about your, your transition into the DGA and your experience um, with the union? Yeah, so I joined the DGA very late in my career. Uh, you know, I live and work in the Pacific Northwest. There isn't a ton of DGA work that comes through here. And what, you know, typically what did come through, they'd often bring their own guy um, or girl. So it was like there just wasn't that much union work up here to, to sort of feed all the, the ADs up here. And there were already at least two good union ADs that I knew who were already working up here. So it just didn't seem like the elbow room was there for it. So I, I never really did it. And then also for the first 10 years, I didn't even know I was meant to be collecting these call sheets and pay stubs, which is part of the process for getting into the guild. So I was already like a decade behind just in the paperwork. So... I did, though, start collecting the call sheets and stuff over the time because um, I thought, well, maybe one day it'll make sense to join because I just, you know, I, I didn't really know where that was going to end up. But I was making a good living just doing the non-union stuff. And then I got in with a company um, that were here in Seattle. They moved to L.A. and started a shop in L.A. And obviously the more work they were doing down there, it was more pressure to join the guild and become a signatory. And so eventually that happened. And so... When that happened, they're one of my main clients, my favorite people. So at that point, the kind of decision was made for me. I was like, okay, I, I'm going to just have to join now because it's the only way I'll continue to be able to work with these guys. And so that's what I did. I, I submitted the paperwork, paid the hardest swallow figure, and <laughs> and uh, that was it. And then I was in. That's great. So Damien, let's go ahead and dive into our topic of safety. Starting on a high level for us, I'd love to hear your reflections on why is safety so important to keep top of mind when working on set? Yeah, I think there's a sort of familial aspect of it. Just looking out for your brothers and sisters, it's very important that everyone gets home safe and to their families and their loved ones. And as a production company, ultimately the buck stops with you if someone gets hurt or dies on your set. And, um, you know, no one wants that. And then, you know, there's obviously a, a, a very real legal aspect. And this is something I tell all people that want to be ADs and making the jump from second to first is that ultimately, if someone gets hurt or dies on your set, that is going to land firmly on your doorstep every bit as much as it's going to land on the production company's doorstep. And so as the first AD, you know, the, the role of safety officer is obviously very defined. For me personally, the first thing is I just want everyone to get home safe and sound. You know, certainly what we do is fun and awesome, but it, 10 times out of 10, it's not worth a life or someone getting hurt. Frankly, there is no reason for that to ever happen. You know, I mean, obviously, since the, the whole business with Sarah, you know, we can unpack that for days and days over whether they, they got what they deserved or didn't get what they deserved or whatever. But, um, you know, someone died on a set when they didn't need to. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Sarah. That's uh Sarah Jones and the Midnight Rider tragedy back in 2014, right? Um Damien, for anyone not familiar with that, could you expound uh, on Sarah's story? So Sarah was camera assistant. Um she was working on um an independent feature film 
they were shooting a scene on a trestle bridge. And from my memory of it, there had been many warning signs leading up to that day's shooting. Um, And sort of one of the key pieces I remember from the story was that I think it was the location manager had said, I am not going to be here this day because I'm, this is my sort of voice of disapproval on safety here. I can't be on this set if you're going to go ahead and, and disregard my flag on the safety of this. He had been in touch with uh, the railway company and there was no blessing from the people that were in charge of that section of track. So being on a trestle bridge with a unit was a horrible idea. And unfortunately, sure enough, the train comes down the track and um, everyone tries to get off the track in time. Some can't. And um, unfortunately, Sarah was, was, was someone that died that day and, and didn't need to. Oh, thank you so much for recounting that. It, it, it's such a tragic and critical example of the huge responsibility that we have as filmmakers to you know be wise and and to do things the right way we just have to remember it's just a movie right it's just work and we're talking about the lives of real people here real human beings so thanks for starting by reminding us of of that perspective in your role as first ad damien as the safety officer on a practical level what is your process from the very beginning to keep this responsibility at the forefront of your prep with the department heads right so you'll get the treatment or the script and it starts there you know at that point you just start breaking out the the script and then there's already things that you know you'll see in that treatment that'll start throwing flags up it could be a pyrotechnic thing it could be a lot of the times it's a driving thing so you're automatically going through your kind of driving checklist of like have they thought of this i wonder what their approach is going to be to that so you sort of start to formulate where all the little pitfalls are lurking. And that's really what it is. You're constantly minimizing the chance of anything going wrong. You know, you're always looking for like the little places where anything could happen. And then obviously the tech scout, once you get your eyes on the place where you're going to be shooting and what you're going to be doing and you have all of the, the keys around you, then more issues will automatically bubble up and get noted. For those who may not know, who are the primary crew members you're involving in these discussions during prep? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, obviously always good to do it through email, CCing everyone. Um, Typically, I would say it's going to be obviously the UPMs and the producers, location managers. If it's a stunt, obviously the stunt coordinator, um, you know, more often than not, it's with the key grip because they're a sort of co-safety officer on set and any of the keys that intersect with the particular safety concern would obviously get CC'd on that email. But yeah, that's kind of my process, I guess. I just sort of start as early as the prep at the breakdown and then there's sort of these opportunities throughout prep where you get to kind of fill in more and more and more and more until you have a pretty good safety plan in place. And then, you know, obviously that gets you to the point of, of the meeting itself. I'll have like a little safety worksheet going. So I have like a generic one that I have taken, you know, off of the contract services admin trust fund, that sort of general safety meeting. And I've kind of, it's, it's a very long document, that one. But what I've done is I've like gone through it and made a condensed version of that. Because if you read that whole thing out, people would just be so tuned out. So I, I kind of made a, a bullet point version of that, speak to everyday safety. And then I sort of tag on what's relevant to the day. 
that's the other thing about safety meetings. If you if, if they go on forever and you get into all the minutiae, then um, people start not listening. So it's kind of like a fine line. Um, but anyway, I, I tend to like try and keep the general overall of the day very simple. And then that way I can highlight the things that are really pertinent to the day. You know, if you're doing obviously a stunt or there's a piece of special equipment when you get to that point of the day you, you're going to do another one again anyway so it's like you know i'll call attention to the fact that that'll be happening in the morning meeting but i'll save the meat and potatoes of it for when we go right before so that we gather everyone up it's fresh in everyone's head and i think there's just a little more focus when when it's go time too so i like to keep the real higher risk things i like to keep those right before we're going to do those beats you know let everyone know it's going to happen obviously in the day so they could be prepared for that but but as far as sort of the nitty gritty of it i like to do that right before yeah no that's great so what is the right timing for the safety meeting once everyone's on set I know this may not be like a, a hard and fast rule and a lot depends on, you know, what's being shot that day and the spacing of call times, et cetera. But will you go ahead and speak to your approach in, in determining that? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is trying to do it as soon as you can when everything lands, which is never ideal because everyone is so focused on unpacking the trucks, the camera peeps are focused on getting the camera built god bless him because that gets us an image up and that gets us going forward so i get all of that um so it's really the reality is i try and do it in the first 15 minutes and you know sometimes you're successful sometimes you aren't you have to again this sort of comes back from doing the job a bunch you have to sort of assess the situation and like if it is a situation where everyone's unpacking and it's a busy street and even though it's that's been noted in the call sheet like on a day like that, I want to get that safety meeting cracking as soon as possible just to remind people. And if I can't get it happening right away for whatever reason, I make sure that everyone is at least thinking of the, the one big safety issue on that day, right? But yeah, I try and do it within the first 15 minutes um, is ideal because obviously the earlier you do it, the more people are thinking about safety and the better your day is going to go. Um, and then if I know that there's people that are going to be late... I sort of weigh that up. It's like, you know, do I wait for the agency? No, I want to get things going. So a lot of times I just do a separate one for the client and agency just so I can, like I say, just get, get the main one done as soon as possible. Totally. Yeah, no, that makes sense. A minute ago, you mentioned contract services. Talk a little more about that for anyone not familiar with contract services. Could you explain what that is and where people can find those resources? Contract Services Admin Trust Fund. This is basically a nonprofit organization. They came about through basically an agreement between ERC, AMPTP, all those folks. And they have a really amazing part of their site which speaks to safety bulletins. And there's bulletins for pretty much everything. I don't know if I've ever gone there looking for a bulletin and not having something that covers what I need. And, it, you know, when you look through it too, and you read these bulletins, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know why that bulletin exists. Like every one of these bulletins, unfortunately, exists for the simple reason that someone got either really hurt or they died. But anyway, like I said, it's a great resource. They have all the all the guidelines and bulletins. Really good standard of practice is obviously to, you know, if you have any of the things happening on your shoot that are covered by these bulletins, attach the bulletin to the call sheet digitally when it goes out. 
it's always good to print it up and chuck it on a board by Crafty. Um, if you're doing car work, it's actually a requirement to put the bulletin in the camera car and make sure that the uh, precision drivers have it too. Um, it's like this awesome reference for pretty much every shooting scenario that is going to be dodgy. So the, the website for that is csatf.org. And um, definitely, if you don't know about it and you're in the business, whether you're an AD or not, you should know about that and spread the word because it is a cliche, but safety isn't just the ADs and the, and the grips affair. You know, it's really everyone. And I really do count on my crews to be watching out for that as well. You know, I can't be everywhere at the same time. So I always ask people in the safety meeting if they have anything they want to add. And I love it when people on the crew come to me and bring something to my attention because something out of my earshot or something I haven't seen yet and I can get on it and make it safe. Um, super important. So anyway, to that end, um, I encourage everyone listening to this, if you don't know about the bulletins, please check it out. Again, it's csatf.org. It's, it's a good education. I'll put a link in the episode show notes as well so people can click on that. That's great. Yeah, it's great. And I would say I would say this, it's really good to spread the word about that because there are a lot of ADs that when you become a first AD, you you don't have, you have a lot of set time, but you don't have a lot of set time as a first AD. You don't have any, right? You're just starting out. And so it's like everything you learn as a second AD doesn't, I mean, obviously there's stuff there that applies to the job of first AD, but there's so much muscle memory around first ADing that it just takes days and days and days and years and years and years to get that down. And so in that process, I think there are probably a lot of first ADs who are being scrappy and they're doing like low budget features or whatever it is that their path is non-union jobs especially right right they might not know about this resource they might not know that there's something here that can totally keep them on the rails it's great for that like if you're starting out and you're trying to get safety front and center these safety bulletins are totally the way to go they will help you a ton I got a call from an AD, an up-and-comer that was thinking about doing this movie and there was some pyrotechnics on it and they were going to light a person on fire. And, you know, this was not a big budget movie. And so for me, that had a lot of a lot of red flags on it and I did try and encourage him not to do the project. Um, now, when I was coming up, I found myself in a lot of really hairy situations where producers were trying to bully me into not doing the right thing when it came to safety. And so I have times in my history where I've said, okay, that's fine. If you guys are so hard for this, just know I'm not having any part of it. And I'm putting it out there that I'm having no part of this. Like, I don't think this is safe. If you're going to take that on, that's fine. But as the as the chief safety officer, I'm saying that I don't think this is safe. So if you do it, it's on you. It's got nothing to do with me. And I've put it out there. And if people are crazy enough to want to do this too, that's on them. But for me, I'm out. And I think it's super important for ADs that don't have a bunch of experience when they do find themselves in those situations. That little voice in your head, I'm a freelancer. Oh, my God, I'll never get hired again. Don't even begin to listen to that. If you don't think it's safe and they're still pushing you to do it and you then go to the place of I'm not having any part of this and you put that hard line in the sand, I guarantee you nine times out of ten they're going to come around. And if they don't, 
then that's entirely on them. But you did everything you could to try and stop something unsafe happening. And if it does get that far, there's also lines now to the studios and you can call in. So do that too. Use those, those hotlines and um, report it. You can also use that as ammunition as well. Like, hey, I'll call the hotline. If you guys begin to do this, I'm calling it in. You know, you shut it down like that. So there's tons of options. But yeah, ADs can find themselves in, in some tough spots sometimes. To your point of not listening to the voice or that fear of, I'm a freelancer, you know, I'll never get hired by these people again. To anyone who's ever been in that situation, are these people you want to work with again anyway, <laughs> if they are pressuring you to that point? That is exactly right. It's hard to remember that we've got that power to say, like, what kind of people do I want to be working with and do I want to surround myself for all the long hours that we put in? What are the types of people that we want to be working for? And hopefully everyone can say they want to work with people who value the safety of others. Yeah, that's a super good point. Like you do have as a freelancer more control than you realize. And it took me a long, long time to realize that, that, yeah. You don't have to work for those people. You know, when they call, you can choose to not take that job. That's certainly something I started to do as I got less fearful around the whole, you know, oh, I'll never work again thing, which all freelancers have. But now I'm in a great place. I have like awesome clients. All my regular crew peeps are awesome. I'm super lucky. I get to work with like great, great people and they're all super fun. Um, but in my early days, I worked with a lot of people that weren't. You know, I didn't realize that I didn't have to do that. Kind of on this same thread, Damien, for people working on low-budget, non-union projects that maybe have some riskier elements to shoot, could you explain the importance of having a medic on set? And often that can be overlooked on those lower-budget projects. I would love to hear your perspectives on, on the importance of that role. Yeah, so I think much like studio teachers, medics are at very least a great way for a production company to sort of tick a box. And then beyond that, though, I would say in prep at any time, if you're, if you're the AD or if you're the producer for that matter, anyone who has the, the sort of authority to pull the, the trigger on it. But if, if, you're, if you thought about a medic at some point in prep and you came up on something and the thought of, well, should this have a medic? The fact that it even popped up answers your question. So the minute you're asking yourself, I guess is what I'm saying, the minute you ask yourself, should we have a medic? You should have a medic. If I had my way, I would have a medic every day on a set. That would just be the way I would run it if I could do it that way. Because a lot of these medic guys are really good at just walking the set and finding stuff to fix. Good medics, and there's a ton of them out there, they have your back that way. They're the extra pair of ears and eyes looking for shit that can go wrong. So right there, it's invaluable. And how important for producers and PMs to make sure and keep that in mind that safety is properly considered when budgeting for a project from the very totally. beginning. Oh my God. Yeah, I cannot. I could do a whole podcast on that alone. Yeah. So, so producers and UPMs and EPs, when you're budgeting, make that part of your checklist right out the gate. You know, you could save yourself some L&I, you know, the cost of that medic for the day over the LNI on someone like breaking an arm or something dumb because they tripped and fell down some stairs. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know, from my perspective, I would say just chuck a medic on the line. You know what I mean? Put it, make it a line item, an automatic line item because you just never know, you know? And then obviously there's varying degrees. Now, if you're going to do any kind of driving, that's an automatic. Have a medic, right? Have, have police officers. So 
that's my bit about medics. That's awesome. Damien, are there any other best practices and advice that you'd like to share about set safety and running an effective safety meeting? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always good. I always ask everyone at the end, you know, if you have any questions or if you didn't understand anything was covered, put your hand up. Because I think just having everyone kind of sign off that they heard it, do a sort of hand in the air signature, as it were, you know what I mean? Gets a little more buy-in. And also sometimes, there's many times actually I've, at that point in the meeting where someone has actually said, oh, you know what, I do have something. And we'll revisit something or it's something that maybe everyone has spaced, which is great when you catch something like that. Someone, you know, has brought their A game that day and has thought of something that no one else has thought of. I love that when that happens. And then, yeah, I guess I guess I always like to put it out to the crew, like remind them, you know, have each other's back out there. You know, I would love to say I can keep you guys all safe, but I, I can't do it all. I need help. You know what I mean? It's it's really, really important that we all look after each other on these sets. And so if you're a crew person listening to this, for the love of God, if you see something, you're not sure, but it's enough to make you think about it, just check in with the AD. I guarantee you they'll be very happy to hear from you if they're worth their salt and, and they'll get right on it if it's something that needs attention. There's all sorts of little things waiting to snag people on a set, and it's really helpful to have everyone looking out for those things. It's always good to, to keep the conversation rolling and coming up with new ideas, new ways to, to keep safety where it should be. So please, if there's anything that you folks listening feel like we missed, please chuck it down in the comments. If, is there even comments on podcasts? How the hell does that work? I don't even know. But... Um, yeah, the more the merrier. No, yeah, totally. So listeners can leave us a review in the podcast app or send us an email. The email is callsheetpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have anything you'd like to share, feel free to reach out. We'll put it on the show and, and share with the community. Well, we've reached the point on the show where we do our Abby Singer segment. Do you have a story that you'd like to share that you feel captures a lesson learned from your work? Yeah, you know, there is one other thing that... um just occurred to me there's this great resource um called the jeffords rules it's really more geared for narrative but basically bob jefford he was a upm with the dga for many 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 years i think he died around 2002 but um since then people have continued to i think they're calling friends of bob but they they keep the jeffords rules alive by updating them so whenever there's a new contract they'll go through the update and basically the jeffords rules is basically all the union contracts all the highlights of the contracts that are really the nitty-gritty useful information for second ads and first ads to sort of quickly look at okay what is it what's a meal penalty for these guys you know how do we how do we figure our day out, you know, on turnarounds and all that stuff. So all that information's in there. Part of the Jeffords rules is also a great safety checklist, which is good, not just for ADs, but actually really good for UPMs, really good for producers. Like if you're going to be budgeting a job, it's a great little checklist to go through to, to sort of open your mind to the safety aspect. And so, you know, it has special effects, stunts, and then there's all these, um, these two categories, like too high, too low, too dry, too wet, too bright, too dark, too cold, etc. And then there's these little sub notes on all of those. So it's a really good cross check on everything you're doing. Um, so this is a great thing to have as a PDF on your phone, actually, it's a great little cheat sheet. Uh, but the, you know, the only two accidents that I can think of that have happened on my sets that were serious, um, both are covered on this checklist. So 
you know, one was um, under the too dark category and one was under the too cold category. And so the too dark one was wrapping out early on in my career. We were doing a music video. We were wrapping out at night from this warehouse and um, it was dark and we should have had better wrap lighting going. And, and clearly this coordinator was in some part of this warehouse that didn't have good lighting and she slipped or tripped on something. I can't remember. And, but I do remember she, she, she broke her wrist or her arm. So, you know, but that, you know, that was covered. So too dark wrapping out. Right. So I would have, I would have caught that, um, too cold. That was the other one, um, doing a snowmobile commercial in Colorado. And on this one, you know, we, you know, this was more recently. And so I, I, I was more aware of, um, these checklists and safety and, and so we'd actually done a, a, as much as we could on mitigating risk. But unfortunately, what happened there was like, you know, we were every, everyone was transporting around on these uh, snowmobiles. And we had the two ACs on a two up snowmobile with their package tow behind them. And, um, you know, they were going around a corner and decreased their acceleration suddenly around the bend. And the momentum of the weight of the package carried them over the side of that bend. And that ended up with one of them getting airlifted out um he he was fine after that but um we also actually on that one too uh had some frostbite cases as well so we were just in very inclement conditions and uh yeah we should have probably just in retrospect you know hindsight 2020 but we probably should have just called that job at some point but everyone got out with all their bits and parts and got back to their loved ones thank god but um yeah a very good story to look back on and just remind oneself, you know, why all these bulletins and safety checklists exist. You know, it's all because at some point in the past, someone's got hurt. So there you go. I love it, man. Damien, thanks so much for joining me today. This was such an important, sobering conversation. Uh, so many practical takeaways that you've provided us and uh, appreciate you sharing your insights and experiences with our listeners. Yeah, mate. Thanks for doing it, putting it out there, and hopefully a bunch of people will listen to it. And that's Taillights, folks, on another episode of Call Sheet. This show is brought to you by Elgin Entertainment. It is produced and hosted by Kiku Terasaki and me, Bryce Sirier, with support from our associate producer, Nathaniel Duber. I'm also the editor of the show, and our theme music is by Robert Mai. Our guest today was Damian Payne. We talked about set safety, safety meetings, and the essential role of the first AD in fostering and maintaining safe and responsible practices on set. Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and keep coming back for more. We want to start something new today. We've gotten some really nice reviews from you listeners. Thank you so much. We want to start sharing them here at the end of the show. This review is from Liza V in California. She gave us a five-star rating and calls the show a wonderful resource. She says, this podcast is perfect for anyone working in the film and TV industry. It introduces the audience to the various careers available and does so in a way that is informative and entertaining. Liza, we want to thank you so much for your review. We're so glad the show has been helpful. And thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you'd also like to rate and review the show, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, send us an email with your feedback, or write a comment on one of our Instagram posts. We look forward to hearing from you. Remember to stay tuned for new episodes of Call Sheet every Thursday morning. And in the meantime, good luck and go make it happen.